Hi, I'm Mick Cronin and this is Watch Your Cause, a podcast in which I interview a variety of guests about a cause that is close to them, something they feel passionate about. I want to start conversations that educate, inspire and shine a light on causes around the globe that can or are having a significant social impact. But here's the kicker. Each guest will nominate the next and become a chain that will lead from my very first guest to my last and ultimate guest of season one, Barack Obama. Got your attention? Thought I might. So, welcome to episode two of What's Your Cause? We made it to a second episode. So, you know, we must be doing something, right? And then one step closer to Barack. What an episode I have for you today. Today, I had the pleasure of sitting down and speaking with Gus Warland, the founder and the director of Gotcha for Life. Now, many of you might know Gus as an Australian radio presenter and and TV personality, but he's also the driving force behind the mental fitness charity Gotcha for Life. So some years back, Gus received the the tragic news that a a really close friend, mentor and father figure had um, taken their own life um, through suicide. And this had, you know, a profound effect on Gus. And really, he sprung into action and he founded Gotcha for Life in 2017. So Gotcha for Life today is Australia's leading mental fitness charity. And really, you know, the words that resonate and ring true is um, prevention through connection. So... When I sat down with Gus, we got to speak about mental fitness versus mental health. Uh, we unpack a little bit about, you know, some of the things around suicide, the stats and, and, and you know, the challenges that are in this space. We also speak about how his programs are having a real-time effect, both in schools and both in the community as well. Gus is just such a passionate bloke he wears his heart on his sleeve and you will hear this throughout the interview throughout this conversation there will be some challenging topics and if you are triggered in any way please reach out to someone whether that be you know a friend or whether it be in a professional setting it's really important we talk and you'll hear this come through all the way through this conversation and in the words of Gus no one has to worry alone so with that let's get into episode two of what's your cause with Gus Warland so, Gus Warren, welcome to uh, Watch Your Cause. It's an absolute pleasure to have you. Thank you very much, mate. Lovely to hear from you. Um, our common mate, Bianca Chatfield, said you're a good man and a good chat, and I love your accent, mate. Like, uh, hard not to fall in love with the Irish accent. <laughs> I'm actually Australian. I just put this on so I can get people <laughs> to fall in love with me, Gus. So it'll wear off by the end. Nah, I pray. <laughs> I appreciate that. And yeah, Bianca has uh, has nominated you. So I'm very thankful that I got from the very first guest of What's Your Cause to the very second guest of What's Your Cause. So once you're a guest, though, you're, you're, you're in it. And we'll, uh, we'll circle back to, uh, to that later in the podcast about uh, how you can maybe support us going on um, you know, further with this journey of, of What's Your Cause. But today is about you, mate. It's about what you do and, and, uh, and shining a light on that. Um, so let's just get into it and Gus... What's your cause? Yeah, I started a foundation called Gotcha for Life just over five years ago. And that came off the back of a TV show I did called Man Up on the ABC. And Man Up started because I wanted to challenge masculinity in this country and why we lose so many blokes every day to suicide. And that started off the back of a mate of mine who took his own life on the day that his third and final child finished their final year 12 exams. And it just absolutely rocked me. And I sat in silence for many, many years, and then eventually on my radio show here in Sydney, one morning on Triple M, I spoke about it, and that started this journey for me that I continue every day now, um, just around why 
blokes in particular, but, but all Australians and all humans, really, if you look at the numbers around the world, don't have the emotional muscle to put their hand up and ask for help when things are going um, badly or things are starting to go down a rabbit warren. Why are we so good at helping other people that ask us for help, but not very good at asking for help ourselves? So that's really what it comes down to. And I'm trying to take away the white coat and the wellness sort of patches around it and really talk about this as a human issue and make it as easy as possible for people to build emotional muscle so they can ask for help. And that's really in a nutshell what I've been doing. And Gotcha for Life has, you know, fundraised nearly $11 million, given it to people that work in suicide prevention. I think there's way too much focus on awareness, not enough focus on action to actually stop what's happening or try to stop what's happening. If you don't know that we've got a problem with mental fitness or what people call mental health in this country, then you've grown up under a rock. So we need to realize that everyone knows it and let's give us some some tools to be able to help us get through it. Yeah, amazing. And um I'm really keen to like you know delve a little bit deeper into some of this, but if we speak on the on on the words of mental health versus mental fitness, which um, I love your reframe, um, and I, and I think it's 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 a great way of speaking. And the reason why is I've been to you know I've I've um, worked in this field and, and walked around with people with mental health and so forth, but I was at this kind of um, uh, workshop and something really interesting happened for me. It was a bit of a, an aha moment. We were doing this exercise and they put up on the screen the words mental health. And they said to you, what does that mean? And everyone, and I was with these nine really, I would say, progressive minds in the room, yeah? And everyone put up these words, and, and me included and so forth. And only one person put up a positive word. Yeah. Right? And I was sitting there and I was going, all this time I've worked in this field, I work with people with mental health and, and so forth, all the time I've done that, Every time someone speaks to you about it, it just it was just that moment where I thought, that, why do we always go to the negative, like on this topic? And I think, you know, obviously people feel if someone says mental health, it takes straight talk with the bad. But when you're talking about mental fitness, it kind of reframes it a little bit in that sense and makes you kind of go to a, a positive in how you can, you know, work with yeah. it and, and, and do it. Can you just unpack that a little bit for me as well around the mental fitness? Yeah, of course. Mental health, just like you said, it's got a very negative connotation, takes you straight to the bottom of the barrel. As soon as someone hears mental health, you think about someone else, someone else worse than you. You don't think that really attaches to you. So if you talk about mental fitness, the first thing I do is go, when I'm in a group, I say, what's your mark out of 10? Don't say it out loud, but the number will come to you in your head really quickly. What's your number out of 10 for your physical fitness? You've, you've already got a number. Your listeners right now have got a number as well. It comes really quickly. You might not be 100% correct. It could be a number one or two up or down from that. But as a general rule, you've got that number and you can sort of work it out. And if I said, okay, it's a six out of 10, how are you going to make it a seven out of 10 in the next month? Then there's a whole lot of stuff there, whether you've got it in your noggin or whether or not you can simply Google it to go, right, I can eat a little bit healthier, don't drink. If I'm a smoker, I'm going to stop that. I'm going to eat cleaner. I'm going to move a little bit more. There's so many things that are just normal and natural that we all understand. What am I going to wear to do that? Well, there's a million stores you can go out and buy gear to wear that to make yourself physically fit. Well, what's your number out of 10 for your mental fitness? That's a much harder discussion because we don't really know about it. Might be the first time you've heard it. Might be the first time your listeners have heard it. So what does mental fitness really mean? Well, it's really having a village or people around you, whether it's professional or family or friends, that can help you get through the type of stuff that life throws at you. It's, it's your 
emotional muscle to be able to actually get the words out that are difficult to say. It's so easy to have banter. Your country, my country, we're the best at banter, right? I love being in Ireland in Galway or Dublin and having a few pints of Guinness and blokes are playing the spoons and you're hearing all different chats and everyone's laughing. That's where we want to live. I get that. But just leave a little piece of yourself to have that conversation of gravity outside of banter. But to be able to have that conversation of gravity, we need to learn how to have that. We need to get some emotional muscle. We need to learn to get uncomfortable. We need to learn to get through a bit of vulnerability. So that's really what Gotcha for Life is about, is in our workshops, building that emotional muscle and realizing it's bloody hard, but actually getting there slowly but surely and practicing it. And that's why the fitness word is so much better. I can't imagine going to the gym today and learning or enough stuff to be able to do a weightlifting competition or run a marathon next weekend. But if I go there for a year and I learn from people and I'm open to stuff and I, I'm open to being uncomfortable and my body hurting a little bit, in a year's time, I can run that marathon. I can do that bodybuilding um, you know, competition. So for me, it's all about going back and practicing it over and over again. And that's really why mental fitness gives you this positive drive to go, you know what? It's not easy now. I can't possibly tell my friend now what's truly going on, but I'm going to go to these workshops and I slowly but surely, even with snot running out of my nose and tears running out of my eyes, I will get those words out. And that's really what it's all about. Yeah, I love that. And it goes back to, I think you just said at the start, like you're taking that, that, that white coat and that medical side of it out because in the past, and, and you're right, you like grew up in, in Dublin and, and, you know, you have banter, no problem in a second, but, you know, your feelings, you get to a certain point, you go, oh, I just locked that one away. No one's going to see that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. you know, like, I used to always say, if you were talking about your feelings in Dublin, you also had to be a fast runner. You know what I mean? Like, so, you, you <laughs> so are you also hoping in the next few generations, Mick, we get to a stage where, you know, you can actually not stand up in the middle of the pub and say, this is how I'm feeling. And, but it's like grabbing one of your mates. Yeah, And saying, look, you know, tomorrow morning, do you reckon we can go for a cuppa? Or do you reckon we go for a walk and, and, and a cuppa? Or do you reckon we could just sit somewhere without grog and just have that conversation? Or even if we do it with grog, can you and I just do it without all the boys? And that just starts having a slightly different relationship with one of your mates. Doesn't mean you burst into tears every five minutes or have a deep and meaningful conversation every time you talk, but it means you've got someone that you can just go blur with. And even if it's hard to get out, if there's a bloke there listening and, and understanding how difficult this must be for you, then all of a sudden you've got a much better, stronger relationship with that person. And that's what we're trying to build. A whole lot of people that have got someone for life. That's why I called the... That's why I call the foundation Gotcha for Life. It's like you've got to find a whole lot of people or one person, however you, many you can get, who's gotcha for life. You can have these warts and all conversations with without any uh, fear of judgment. Yeah, and um, I've got so many questions for you about this. I'm a very curious person. And this is just having you who, you know, was walking in this space for me is, is, is a real treat to be able to, 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 to unlock some of this. Um, if you think about right um, generations, right? Um, like I'm, I'm 46, nearly 47. Yeah. So if you think well, you about, don't look at me. You thanks, mate. That's right. It's, well, you know what? Like this, it's amazing what technology you know, and, and online can do, <laughs> mate. Yeah. Um, so if you think about this, right? And I'm interested in what you feel with this. So if you think about generational, right? And you think about even going beyond mine, my generation, even my parents, and, and so forth. And same, same with yourself. Yeah. Um, you talk about damn times when you kind of was like, you know, it wasn't 
wasn't seen to talk about feelings. It, it, it kind of was a, it was really pushed aside, you know. And uh, yeah. I'm sure it went on in a little space, but it was just really not the done thing, yeah. And you look at that now, and then you look at this generation, a generation now, and and so far going forward, and beginning to unlock that, yeah, and beginning to now feel that they can talk. Now you yeah. had no, you had no social media back then, and you had nothing more, but you had lots people talked more, right? Mm. But didn't actually talk about their feelings more. Now today's day, today's day is like I've got kids as well. You got like social media, you got media, you got everything. And I think people are a little bit more um, willing to, I don't know, correct me if I'm wrong, speak a little bit more because, but they're also got more pressures, I feel, about like body image and, and, and just like, you know, um, just their standing in the world. Whereas in the past, you kind of just got a job, you got on with it as well. Do you notice like today and, and that, like, is there, a, if, am, I, am I on the right track about that? Like, is it making sense? Like, is, it, is there a difference today and, and with the young people that you work with in, to versus the older people in how easy they are to feel safe and unlock that and be able to talk about their feelings. Well, look, no doubt, no doubt that this new generation's behind, like I'm 53, so you're sort of similar to me, but just a bit younger. The generation in the 30s are slightly better. The ones in the 20s are really getting it and the teenagers are starting to learn it. And I suppose that's why we focus so much on schools is because you can build emotional muscle at school. And I think we can even go younger to primary school and actually let people know that doesn't mean we don't work hard and we're not resilient, but you have got that in your locker to be human. You know what I mean? That sort of man up and shut up or take the teaspoon of cement and harden the fuck up. Yeah. That's not what we do now, you know, and that has got us to where we are now where seven blokes every day in Australia take their own life two women every day and someone trying to take their life every 28 seconds. Like, why would we keep going down with that set of rules? Why don't we look at the new set of rules? And most of the rules are actually okay. It's just tinkering with some of them. And one of them you hit on, A, the rules were set so long ago before social media, and that's a huge beast. So we need to look at that. And also, why wouldn't you change the rules 60, 70 years on? We're always tinkering with the rules, depending on what we learn and how we research stuff up. So this is our chance. And I say that to kids at school, Mick. I say, you know what? At the end of the day, you can set your own rules here. Your generation can actually set the rules of what it takes to be a man and a woman moving forward. So take that responsibility on. You know, and when you hear that, they sort of nod and go, yeah, yeah, we can. We can talk about our feelings. I can give my mate a hug. I don't need to just have a handshake with my friends or, or with my dad. Like, I am going in for the cuddle now. Like, all those slightly different changes, it all works. And I've got a 22-year-old son, a 20-year-old daughter, and an 18-year-old daughter, nearly 19. And I've seen it just in their group of friends, how much more willing they are to talk about the vulnerable stuff, how that they never shake hands anymore. They always give each other a cuddle. We are slowly but surely getting there, but this is our opportunity to keep letting them know that it's okay not to bury your emotions. In fact, it's human to do so. And you're going to have good days. You're going to have bad days. It's just being human. Let's throw away perfect and that social media way of looking at life and actually realizing what's and all it can be tough out there and that's okay because we can get through it, but you'll get through it much better with other people in your life, with the village around you, rather than trying to deal with all this stuff solo. Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a great point that you're making. Look, I generally, as a parent, and, and you know, I, I, I worry about my kids. I never worried about myself when I was younger, just get on with it, like you just do everything else. But I think, now I look at them and I go, yeah, it's, it's as every parent does, but I just worry about like, the main thing I have is, 
will they keep talking to me? Like I, everything else, like, it, you know, it just works so hard on that. And even every day I'm learning and you make mistakes, you do whatever. But as a parent, I feel that if you can get to a place where they can just share and talk, then I think that's, that to me is over everything else. You know what I mean? Because at least you can start to walk through it as well. I'm interested in um, going into the schools a little bit, yeah, in your programs. I've seen a little bit of stuff in Man Up and, and uh, I was watching that with my daughter last night. Really interesting. Stopped her in her tracks on her phone when I was watching it and she started to look at it. And I was watching her facial expression and watching how she was like processing some of the conversations from the kids in the school. She, we didn't talk about it, but I'm, I'm going to revisit it with her, you know, um, a little bit. Tomorrow's man and tomorrow's woman, is that delivered in the school or is that separate to that? Can you explain that? And, and, and I would love to know how in that school yeah. you create that, 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 what, that safe space, that welcoming space, and how these young men unlock um, and show their emotions. Probably the first time to some of their friends. Yeah, look, absolutely. The first time I saw it really was on the show, you know, in episode two where my son had a whole lot of year nine and ten kids at his local high school. And I just saw these kids that I've known since sort of under six, under seven soccer, you know, all of a sudden they're 14 and 15 and just under the surface. If you built the safe environment, then they really opened up and talked about stuff and they hadn't missed a lot. You know, they hear when mum and dad argue, they hear the pressures, they... And they're like, you know what? A lot of them are so selfless that they don't want to talk about their own stuff because they see how hard mum and dad are doing it. You know, and that's that's a heartbreak. A lot of the time you're talking about, you're hoping your kids never never stop talking to you. Well, sometimes they'll do it out of your benefit or what they think is your benefit because they go, you know what? Dad's had a super tough day. You know, mum's under the pump. It's just not the right time. Um, I don't want to add any more drama to their life. I'm actually going along okay. But the thing is, if they don't talk at that starting point, it, they could start going down a rabbit hole. So that's where you want to build this environment where you can say, you know what, Dad, I know you've had a tough day, but so have I. And I need to tell you what happened today at school. And then you just go, who gives a shit about my problems? Like you just focus in on them. So that's the type of environment you need to build. But that takes time and effort. And it takes a lot of patience and it takes a lot of listening. So that's all the stuff we need to learn. That's that emotional muscle piece I'm talking about. But in the schools, it's amazing if you build a safe environment, how much kids will chat, especially men. Um, they say, oh, young boys, they just grunt. They don't talk at all. That's nonsense. We just never give them a chance to do it because we shut them down or they've got that stereotype they live up to. So they go, you know what? This is quite hard. Someone's giving me an out. I'm out. So I'm not going to have the discussion. So that's why it's all about, you know, having these discussions in school that allows you to build the muscle to then hopefully have that conversation outside of school. So Tomorrow Man was the initial program partner. We give about 80% of our money to them. And then they came up with the Tomorrow Woman program because we realized it wasn't just men. It was a human issue. And in fact, men and women and people that actually identify as other um as other genders as well, we need to make sure we're looking after everyone. So it's very much based as a human issue and a human workshop where you can pick up lots of stuff depending on however you feel and whoever you are. How many skills are you in? Um, what's your reach? About 65,000 kids a year last year, 50-odd um, thousand the two years before that. Obviously slightly in a slightly different environment with COVID. But we're out there and about there now. We've got 19 facilitators, someone in every state and territory, um, some multiple in obviously the bigger cities uh, where we have like a, a pod of facilitators. And they're the people that are most important to me because, 
you know, they're the ones out there every single day in schools, sporting clubs and corporations. You know, I do a lot of the big conferences. I've got a huge conference today with Cisco, for instance, where, you know, I can get to speak to tens of thousands of people, which is wonderful. But we need everyone in their pockets getting this information. And if we go into a school and to a sporting club and we start to be in an area, then we keep going back and we keep building it and building it. And the more facilitators I have, the more money I can get to get more facilitators, the better off we'll be. Because I think we need a thousand facilitators. We need someone in school every single day. We need people in the schools that are just focusing on this. Like, I don't think I can talk to my mass teacher about mass and also how I feel. And that's what's happening a little bit with government is they go, well, we're gonna train up someone that's already in the school. You need to have that trust. That's what you need. And at the moment, we don't have that. I am, um, it, it was gonna be my next kind of question to you as well, is like, what would you like to see happening in the schools? Like, is this being taken on um, in, in patches or sporadically? Because, you know, they feel it's like, because in, in every life, like some corporates or some schools or, or government, some are more progressive than others. Some are thinking a little bit more or ahead of others. Um, how do you see this? Like, what would be the, the ideal situation where this is taken on in the curriculum and it's actually made like and made oh, into yeah. a, an embedded thing in schools? Because you think of everything else, don't you? Because about all our subjects and everything else. And how are you meant to actually do any of that if the most important thing to do that is not where it should be or not walking the way it should be? I, I agree. I th- it's all about building mental fitness. So we should have a mental fitness that's just like English or maths or whatever it might be. I remember learning in modern history, the unification of Germany. I remember uh, in geography, the erosion around the coastline of Australia. Like, I got no interest in that. You know, I, I remember it because it was rammed down my throat, but I would have loved to have been told what it takes to be a man today compared to tomorrow. I would have loved to have learned how to balance a checkbook. I'd have loved to have learned how to, to change the 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 tire on my car, all these practical things we need to live with every single day. That's the type of stuff that I would have loved to have learned. So I, I would love it to be in schools. I'd love it to be a part of the curriculum. I'd love it to be a subject that gets that gets spoken about every single day in every school. So that's you know part of the plan of, of mine and others that I work with to just keep working really hard to make that happen. Because if you don't, then we'll continue to go back to where we have been and that's just not going to cut it yeah and hopefully yeah hopefully we get to see that you know hopefully that because it, 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 it's yeah it's such an important thing well i'll be banging down the door i get to canberra and i shout and scream and i'm a bit of a shit stirrer and i try to get people to listen and whatever so i don't mind i don't mind being embarrassed or i don't mind being knocked back you know you would understand this through the type of work you do you got to ask a hundred people to get one person to say yes, you know. So there's a lot of knockbacks. Hundred percent, you know. And and you, you know, I always talk about like you know the, the world view, like seeing it from different people's eyes on why they do say no, or why you know, and how you can actually see it from why they're saying no to then say, okay, well, how can I change this to say yes? You can't make everyone change onto you know to, to to dance to your tune, but you know if you. But I think no. what I get from you, Gus, and you know, it's really evident is like you so believe in this, like you're so passionate about it. And, and that is what, you know, I feel in, in my line of work is what has got me to, to the next stages beyond other people that come in very regimental or, or you know, another based where you just come in and wear your heart in your sleeve. And, and if people can see that passion, they know you're not going away. It's probably easier sometimes to just keep talking to them. Let them in, just let them in and talk to them. You know what I mean? Because this guy's not going away. Just write me a check, mate. It's going to be easy. You're going to do it eventually. So just do yeah. it now. And lots of zeros in that check as well. Just add another yeah. one. <laughs> hey, um, just wanted to um, 
to, to talk a little bit. I've always wanted to, ask, not always wanted to ask this question, I've always wanted to talk to someone about this situation. So I've, I've in my past, you know, um, been touched by, you know, suicide and, and, and friends. And, and I was, you know, reflecting back on this before I was going to interview you and stuff like that um, a little bit. And one of the things that I've always wanted to, to, to unpack with someone as well is, is suicide is such a, it's, it's such a, like the word itself, you know, everything about it, it's just such, it comes with such heaviness, you know, heavy, heavy heaviness, yeah? Um, and so many different reactions and emotions that come out of it if you said it to someone, you know, about what they feel. Now, I've had friends who've, you know, committed suicide and, and, and I know that you've had a, you know, um, friend and mentor as well. And in that moment, I remember being at a, a, a funeral many, many moons ago in Dublin. And I remember looking around at, at everyone and everyone was kind of, you know, in a bit of disbelief um, and everything else. But I could just see confusion on people's faces. I'd not been able to process how this had happened and how this had come to this. But then I also hear of other things, not in this situation, after that around suicide. And people sometimes feel very angry at the person. Yeah, very angry at what happens. Um, and maybe feel that, you know, the words of like, it's selfish and it's, it's everything like that. Where does that sit with you? Um, and where does that sit in some of the conversations that you probably have? Is it something that comes up a bit? Is it, is it something that, you know, um, do you tackle in, these pro- in, in your programs? I'm just really keen to get your take on it. I certainly felt all that. And I think before I got educated on it, I certainly felt that. I used to shout at the, shout at the, uh, the sky, you know, on the anniversary. I was pissed off. How dare you? Like, why wouldn't you come and see someone? Why, if it wasn't me, go and see someone else. There's 1,500 people at his funeral. Why didn't you grab one of us? Because you've all helped us so much over the years, whether it was a personal issue or a business issue. Why, why wouldn't you grab one of us and say, hey, I'm going through some stuff? Because we all loved you so much. So you go through ups and downs, you go through feelings of anger, you go through feelings of guilt that you could have done more, you go through feelings of desperation, you go through feelings of sadness. Um, A lot of people that I talk to believe it's selfish, and I've tried to talk them around to that, but I can see why they think that's the case. But they don't realise what those people are going through. And I've spoken to so many people that have tried to take their own life, and they're still with us. And they didn't want to die. They didn't want to die. But they had, didn't have the emotional muscle, whatever you want to call it, to actually ask for help for a whole lot of reasons. So we need to be more caring and more understanding and more kind to be able to appreciate what those people were going through. So if you've lost someone, don't be angry with them. Be sad for them and be, and I understand why you have those emotions, but Come out the other side and try to remember all the good things that you had and have that as your memory. And that's where I've got to now with my friend all these years on. But I certainly understand what people are coming from because I had all of those feelings as well. Yeah. Um, thanks, Shana. It's, it, it's, it's something that, you know, I've felt. And I, and I think the, the good thing about, you know, I reflect back to a friend who was a friend of lots of people in my town back home. And, you know, his, his, his memory lives on really positively. You know, he's not gone away, you know, and, uh, you know, I see pictures of him sometimes on whether it's social media and I always stops me for a minute and I just remember playing football mm. with him or, or doing whatever. So it's, it's, you know, even now speaking about it, it's really emotional, you know what I mean? Because he was, you know, so, um, so yeah, I pre- appreciate you sharing that and, uh, as well. And, and um, you started in 2017, 
Gotcha for life as a foundation. What would you say? You would have had a vision back then, Gus, and 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 I would. I'm keen I actually to... didn't. Ah, oh, well, that's good. You just went I, in and said, "Let's just go." Mate, I literally didn't have a clue. I'd finished the Man Up program and had done really well, and the numbers were great. And ABC said, "Oh, we're going to put it on the iView, and everyone's watching it, and people are downloading it." And I went, "Oh, wow!" Because I wasn't quite sure what was going to happen. Because it was more. It more started off being a white paper thing for. Um, University of Melbourne and I thought that was going to be it but it ended up being so much more than that I think because I put so much emotion into it it sort of went away from its initial thought process so end up being both things the white paper as well as you know a bit of a something for people to watch and then teachers were texting me or ringing the radio station or they were getting hold of me on social media saying oh, I've just played that second episode with your son in the school to my class and it really opened up a conversation so I went maybe we could do more with this so I just went wonder what happens if you start a like a foundation or a charity or something and I wonder what I can do because I really believe Tom Harkin who was the facilitator at my son's school I remember saying to him to that day I need a thousand of you and he was like oh that would be great and he told me about his business and da 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 so I just basically went, you know what, I'm just going to go for it and speak to a lot of my friends and see if I can just fundraise and so forth. And I got a friend of mine at Chemist Warehouse who gave us just over 250 grand as a starting point. And they're still my number one supporter by far. Um, and I'm like, great, beautiful. I'm going to, I'm going to do more because I'm just going to get more facilitators. And that's what I pretty much started off at. So my vision of zero suicides, simple as that, is something that I created only a couple of years ago after I'd been doing it for a while and already fundraised a few million and and had um, basically just got on with it. You know, like I'm, I'm, I'm not great in meetings. I'm not great with the board. You know, I've got a general manager now that deals with all that stuff. It gives me heart palpitations and headaches. I just want to be doing what I'm doing with you because that's going to help perhaps someone listening or it might help you. You're going to help me because we're going to have a relationship now moving forward and I'll go to Melbourne and we can meet and have a beer and we can chat and whatever. So I, that's what I want to do. I don't want to be dealing with the dotting the I's and crossing the, crossing the T's. So it's hard work doing a foundation. You need good people around you, but I'm just like, I just got to be doing what I need to do, which is out there talking about this sort of stuff, you know, in front of as many people as possible, like in, you know, half an hour or so time, I'll be talking to, 10,000 people on a on a company Zoom and that might really help a lot of people and that's what I want to be doing. A bit like yourself, we don't get in this field for money, <laughs> that's for sure. You get in this field for you wanting to make a difference, you feel like you've got a skill set that can help or you've got a set of, a set of experiences that will allow you to help. That's basically what it's all about. Yeah, great. Um, I won't take much more of your time, Ed, because I've got just a couple, couple of questions and I'll let you go because obviously you've got 10,000 people, not just, just, not just me to speak to today, so I don't want to get in your way of that. Um, so just a couple more questions, but what, what, I'm, what's, what has surprised you the most since you've started this, or good or bad? Like, what is the, is there, like there's probably many things. Is there something that just go, Jesus, I never thought that when I started this? There's a, couple of, there's a couple of good things, a couple of bad things. Firstly, when someone walks up to you and says, you saved my life. And you're like, wow, and I thank you for sharing that. And I go, well, why? And they will tell you the story, whether it's someone that watched the Man Up program or someone in a room that I've spoken to that it just 
triggered something to make them talk, which they believed has helped them get through whatever life had thrown at them. They're the amazing moments, you know, and that's happened maybe a few hundred times to me in the last five years. And that is amazing. I remember the first time someone did it, I was running the half marathon in Canberra and I was going slow and I was going out to a point where you turned around and came back into the city and this bloke flew past me back and he's like, Gus, you saved my life. And I was like, thank you. <laughs> and a couple of mates were with me and they're like, did he say that you saved his life? I said, I think so. And he goes, I wonder what that was about. Anyway, we struggled around, got to that point, came back in, got back to the finishing spit in this skinny bloke who looks like you, yeah. you know, with a, like one of those silver sheets around him trying to stay, you know, um, warm, nibbling on a banana and a muesli bar. And he had waited because he wanted to tell me, you know, this story. And it was like, he'd gone to tell his mum and dad goodbye, but he wasn't going to say goodbye, goodbye. He was just seeing them for the last time because he was going to kill himself. And he knocked on the door and his mum answered the door and they were just about to start to watch this show called Man Up. And he hadn't watched ABC for like his whole life. He'd gone to Bunnings. He'd bought the rope. He was doing it that night. And he, um, and he sat down with his dad and his mum made them a cup of tea and he watched the show and it just triggered something in him to go, oh, Maybe there's something in this sort of talking about it stuff. Maybe I should tell someone, but he didn't have the emotional muscle right there to talk to mum and dad. So he um, he decided to come back the following Wednesday and watch the next one. And his dad goes, oh, that'd be good. Why don't, we, why don't you come for dinner? You know where this story's going. He watches the third one. He eventually tells his mum and dad the whole thing. They get him the help required and now we're six years on and I speak to him quite regularly and he runs now. He was so depressed. He had forgotten that he was a runner. Wow. He just got so tired and so struggled to get out of bed that he just forgot that running made him feel good. So that moment and the fact that he saw me at that race, it just put this big bow around it for him to go, I've got to run. That's going to keep my mental health and my physical fitness and my mental fitness all wrapped into one. So when you hear stuff like that, that's pretty cool. And you go, I'm, I'm lifting. I'm going to keep doing this. And then the sadness comes from how many knockbacks you get when you ask for help. And it's not because people don't want to help. They just don't understand what you need and they don't understand the problem. And even when you tell them the seven, two and one every 28 seconds, seven men, two women, one attempting every 28 seconds, they get blown away by that. But it doesn't move them enough or you don't get them in the safe enough space to for them to really sit in it to be able to then go you know what my company can really help you whether it's a check whether it's a they can use something like i went to an accounting firm and they said we can't give you any money but we'll do your books and i go that'll do that'll save me fifteen thousand dollars a year in accountancy fees and absolutely and all, and all the paperwork that needs to be done at the end of financial year so thank you you know so you're a partner you've given a junior partner, this job, it makes them feel good that they're helping us. Yeah. You're saving us 15 grand. You didn't have the money, but now they might have the money. Like you get to fall in love with a cause and you go, you know what? We can't afford it. Or we're all going to run at the next uh, city to surf for gotcha. And we might fundraise 20 grand or whatever it might be. So it's just about building these relationships. But 
as you know, it's the nose, it's the knockbacks that knocks you for six because you just feel helpless. Yeah. And you have to ask, literally knock on 100 doors to get one yes, and that's exhausting, and that's that's where I find it frustrating and sad. Yeah, and you have the weight of a lot of things on you, Gus. Like, you, 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 like I, I'd imagine you feel like you, you're representing so many people, like you're, you're trying to help. You've got, you're serving, sorry, should I say, so many people. Yeah. So you feel that responsibility. I get that a lot. Like, you feel like, like oh, God, I'm letting them down if I can't get, get this, you know? Yeah. So, but you're yeah. not, you know what I mean? You're, I can tell you, I'm here to tell you today, you're not. You're doing the absolute opposite, mate. You're doing the absolute opposite. And them no's are only going to make it, only make the yeses better. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Just really quickly, you support so many people, you give to so many people, yeah? And even this morning, you know, you're giving your time to me and it's, I'm so, so grateful for it, um, of the conversation and so forth. And I'm learning as we go along always. Who helps you? Who supports you? Um, what, does that, what does that village look like? I'm pretty emotional this morning, bloody hell. And you, now you're asking me this, now you're asking me this, this is that emotional muscle that I've built up over the years to, to sort of just, but, um, well, I've got a beautiful wife. That's great help because when you leave breakfast radio and go to build a foundation, the wife could easily say, hey, uh, we need to look after ourselves here a little bit. And the accountant certainly went, hey, what are you doing, brother? You're going from a lot to not a lot. So I needed people to get in my corner initially to realize that this cause was more important than anything. So that was one thing. Three great kids who understand what I'm doing, who are very proud of what I'm doing and have seen the work that I do make a difference. So that's awesome. And then I've got a couple of really good, really good friends. You know, I've got what I call the nonstop gibberers, which are a bunch of our mates, which I'm assuming very similar to your old mates in Dublin, who you can just have a great time with, have a great crack, watch the footy, enjoy each other's time and stuff. But a few of those have become gotcha for life mates, you know, that I can talk to really openly about everything without any fear of judgment. Um, and I've got a professional lady who years ago I went and saw who's a bit mad, but I love her. And she just doesn't allow me off the hook. She just sees that I'm too busy. She'll phone up and say, right, tomorrow, cancel whatever you've got going. You need to have some time to yourself. And had a couple of health issues six weeks ago. I had a hernia operation, then had a heart issue, which ended up being okay. But that was probably a bit of a, uh, a red flag for me just to slow down just a little bit because I work in, with so much emotion, but I couldn't do it without those people. There's probably 10 or 12 people, you know, that I just adore who are in my village who I can just share everything with. And that's, uh, that's, that's how, it, that's how I can get through stuff. That's great. Appreciate that. Um, I'll let you go. Um, you know, I know you've got something else to go to. Um, how can people reach out and help? What's the main things you need, mate? Well, got, gotchaforlife.org is the, um, and that shows you everything that we do. So is anyone listening here that needs help or support, then please um, allow us to try to help you with that. Um, I mean, it gets down to the, you know, it's raw, but money, you know, the money allows me to get more facilitators, more facilitators, more people get the emotional muscle and the, and the workshop. So that's really what it's all about. So if anyone's listening that can help, please help us all those donate buttons are there on the website but um most important thing i'd love to leave you and your listeners with is just please don't worry alone there's too many of us that are just dealing with stuff alone and we're not sharing how we feel and even though it might be hard to tell someone that things are a bit tough just do it just don't worry alone and that's the key great words great words and um, what before this is the the, the podcasting i said we circle back to um goes before i sign off with you um 
what I'm trying to do is, you know, the, the crazy notion of, you know, trying to get everyone, get all these causes out and, and you've shared an amazing one today, um, which I know people will be so great and learn a lot from. Um, the next step for me is trying to find who that next person is who I can be connected to, who can get me to my ultimate goal, which was uh, which is Barack Obama, which you know, which we 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 laugh about and the audacious dream and and that. But is it a dream? Maybe it can be reality if, if people can help. Who knows? But you know, it's it, why not? You know, I think sometimes we we restrict ourselves, and why not be able to say that out loud and go, you know what? It might happen. It might not happen. But in the meantime, so many great causes are going to be shared. So I ask all my guests to have a think about who they can possibly. Not possibly who they can. I'm going to be a bit more formal. Who they can get me? Who they can get me the yeah, next? Yeah. Who well, you can get me the next guest? You can name some names if you want, or you can keep it to yourself. It's up to you, mate. You want to put the pressure on yourself, <laughs> but uh, but you know it doesn't have to be the name that you name now. It can be someone else that you think about later. But it's who do you think you can share a cause? Yeah, no, I've got I've I've actually got someone in my life, and I think you might know who it might be that it could actually make it happen with Barack Obama. But I need to check with him before I do that because I don't want to get it out there. Yeah. So that's one thing. But the next person you should talk to doesn't mean that we can't sort of mend it all back in at the right time. Yeah. Is a lady by the name of Kath Cashel who started something called the Kindness Factory. And she's one of my ambassadors. In fact, we're doing the Police Commissioner's Ball, Black Tie Ball tomorrow night together as the keynote. And she's someone that's done over a million kindness acts. Her story is incredible. Your Listeners will be fascinated. You'll be crying. You'll be wanting to jump through the screen and give her a big cuddle. She's just amazing. Kath Cashel, I'll get her definitely for your next person. Look her up, the Kindness Factory. Yeah. Um, and let me work on the um, on the on the Obama situation. <laughs> well, that would be the beer, and and I and I'm a hugger too. So when you see me in Melbourne, mate, I please we'll, we'll catch up. And I I am a hugger too, mate, and I do like a beer. So we'll be in good company, I think, in that one. But uh, listen, it sounds great. Thank you thank so you. much for your time, and I just want to say thank you for being you. Yeah, because you're such a <laughs> force you, of nature, mate. And 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 the work that you're doing. Thank you for all that you do, all that you've done, all that you are doing and all that you're going to do. I course. appreciate yeah. that. Thank you. It's a real pleasure. I appreciate your time and, and have a, a, a great day um, going forward, okay? I will. Right back at you. I really enjoyed it. Thank you. If you enjoyed listening to this podcast, please subscribe and share. If you want to follow me on Instagram or on Twitter, you will see the handles in the show notes. This podcast was produced and edited by Mick Grover. Thank you.